This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. To receive a free copy of Bob Buford's classic book, Halftime, moving from success to significance, just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, uh, in my opinion, we have an awesome treat for all of you. You might be familiar with my good friend Oz Hillman, and he, he uh, reached out to me. Oz, and you, you uh, recently, you are just such a great entrepreneur in building platforms and building communities and doing kingdom work from just so many different places that I admire you. You know, first of all, th- just thank you for making the time and, and coming back on the podcast, Oz. John, I always love being with you, and I thank you for all the great work you're doing to equip leaders. Well, my pleasure, man. I'm just, you know, I'm just drafting along great minds and great influencers like yourself. And, um, and, uh, but, and what led to today is, uh, Oz reached out to me and he's just been doing a lot of work. And this is going to be a great episode for y'all, uh, because, um, Oz wrote a book called My Top 10 Golden Rules for Business Success. And I know, uh, Oz, there's so many people in our audience across the world whether they're thinking about starting a company, they're doing something, I call them side, sidepreneurs. They're doing, trying to do something on the side to maybe diversify their income. They're, they're running companies. They're, um, you know, so they're, you know, it's across the spectrum. But as I read what you put together, man, it just so resonated with everything that I've done, what's worked. And I just think this is uh, just such a, a great topic. So, uh, first of all, before we dive into what these 10 things are, which we're going to do, what led you to put this together, Oz? Well, John, I was just thinking, uh, I, you know, I have an online mentoring program that I do with leaders, and I was just thinking about over the last several years, uh, the various um, principles and truths that I've been able to really adopt, and I go back to over and over again, and so often these uh, principles come up, and I thought, you know, I've never really shared these with those that I'm coaching and those that are part of our change agent network, so I thought that I would just jot them down and put them in a little simple uh, white paper, really. Uh, I actually haven't written a book on this these uh, 10 items, but I've actually just written a white paper on them, and so that's how they came about, and so I did a webinar recently, and I found that people really enjoyed hearing it and they got so much out of it so uh, that's how it came about that's awesome and i, I want to put a plug in here because the change agent network is phenomenal and if people are listening it'll also be in the show notes but you can just go to my network.com you can sign up for a free trial for seven days and just see the amazing content that's in there and the resources and it's just a great global community of leaders that are all you know just doing some some wonderful work so um now now as you know as you put this together you're you're working you're talking with a lot of leaders and uh and hearing what they're struggling with hearing you know what are maybe some of the things that are causing them you know to move forward to get results the things that are holding them back so where do we want to start here? What Should we just start right at the top and, and go through these, yeah, Oz? Just, yeah, let's just go through each one and, and chat about it. Let's do it. 
Okay, so the first one is? Establish a target niche audience. Uh, you know, there's a great saying that says, market to everyone and you will reach no one. <laughs> you know, uh, I have a friend who is in the publishing business and he tells a story about how a person who wrote a book came to him and and uh, he was asking about the book and said, well, who's who did you write the book for? And the person said, well, I did it for everyone. And he said, well, I don't want to publish your book then, because if you're trying to market to everyone, you're not going to reach anyone. And so, you know, we need to avoid the mistake of trying to appeal to too many audiences and just determine who our primary audience is and stick to them. You know, when we try to appeal to too many people, it waters down our overall marketing effort and it hinders us from connecting with the people who really need our product or service. Now, don't you think that for some people hearing that, this sounds a little bit counterintuitive, that if I really narrow down my target market and then narrow that down even in further into a specific niche, that I'm actually going to be eliminating potential opportunity? Well, I think that's the natural way we look, and especially those of us who are entrepreneurs often, you know, have that same disease. Uh, we we uh, we just want to reach everybody. I mean, it's a natural thing, but it takes discipline to narrow uh, your message so that you're speaking to the primary audience that's going to lift their hand when they hear what you have to say, and so. I think you actually will make more money. You will have more success by narrowing your focus so that those people who really need the product or service, they're going they're going, going to raise their hand because you're speaking to them. And uh, it's not kind of vanilla for everybody. Yeah, and let me just share a little personal story on that. I was actually looking back. We're doing a lot of work right now equipping coaches through our Beyond Influence Academy. And I went back and looked when I first started my coaching business. Uh, and I felt, you know, with my varied experience in business and in the military, I can work with anybody. So I set up, and I only could work a few hours a week because I was just coming out of my accident, Oz. And I went back and looked. And in the first three months, I had met with 26 potential clients, had a conversation about how I could help them. And these were, this was across the map from different business needs, from spiritual development to small startups to big public companies. It was all over the place. I had one person that hired me. And I realized, and, and you know, I read an article and did some, you know, I've always niched in the past. So I actually ended up hiring a, a marketing coach. And we did the work to really work in this area. And then we really narrowed down who I wanted to work with and what I could do for him. And I figured I'm going to just find that one person, do that, and then repeat it instead of trying to find another person with a different problem. And in the next three months, we brought on seven new clients. And then by the end of the year, I had a my, my coaching calendar was completely full, and we had the revenue to completely support our family. So I couldn't agree with you more. You know, figuring out who that ideal client is, what your target market is, and, you know, what that niche is is absolutely critical because there's a mistake that we make. We think we're going to appeal to all these different people because of our certain skill sets. Um, but like you said, you just water it down and you don't really connect, do you? Right. That's so true. So number two is uh, a confused mind doesn't buy. Um, 
you know, I learned this principle from a friend of mine that um, was very successful in the real estate training area. He used to participate in these large events, and uh, he actually spoke behind Donald Trump. Uh, and uh, he used to sell, you know, several hundred thousand dollars worth of training in a month. I mean, in, in, a, in one of these evenings, not a month, but in the evening that he did these things. And um, one he, he, he discovered that whenever he put too many options in his offer, uh, people just would get confused and they didn't buy. Uh, another way of saying this is a confused mind says no. You know, so we have to be careful when promoting our product or service that we don't give too many options. Uh, so we always seek to answer really four questions when presenting to anyone. And the first thing is, who am I? What what are my credentials uh, to be able to share with you today? Number two is, here's what I'm going to share with you. Okay, be specific about what you're going to share. And then three is, here's what it will do for you and how it will solve a problem in your life. You know, problem solving is the essence of entrepreneurship. We we need to solve a problem. Our product needs to solve a problem. And uh, that's why people buy. And then the fourth thing is, here's what I would like you to do next. You know, what's the call to action? What are you asking them to do now at the uh, end of your presentation. So don't make your offer too complicated or have too many options. And what advice would you share with people on that who am I? You know, some people that are maybe newer in a market, um, that maybe they have that mindset about, you know, do I have that credibility? I, I think sometimes that, that can hold some people back from really sharing you know, their unique position, their unique value, their unique experience on a, a certain situation or problem? Well, there's a great uh, principle that there's a power in the testimony, you know, and uh, our life experience can be a, a very strong power uh, to others. And just, just being able to identify with others through our own experience can be the authority that we have to be able to share it with others. And, uh, you know, when it, whenever you've overcome something in your life or you've, you've achieved certain thing in your life, then, then that gives you the credibility and that gives you the authority to speak on that topic. Yeah, and what, what I'd, I'd love to follow up with that, um, Oz, and just everybody listening, give yourself permission to see yourself as the expert in what you're doing. Even if there's other people that are doing it, you think that they're doing it better. Nobody does it like you. Nobody's gone through what you've gone through. And you have a perspective to share that is unique and is going to attract people to you. Exactly. Exactly. Number three is solve a problem. What problem does your product or service solve? Every company or service must solve a problem. You know, Jesus often solved a problem in life before he spoke into a life. And uh, whether it was uh, when he first met the uh, Peter, he solved his fishing problem. Uh, he also told him how to pay his taxes by catching a fish. And there was a coin in its mouth that he could pay his taxes with. He solved the problem for feeding 5,000 people. He solved the problem for the blind man. So every time Jesus met someone, he usually solved the problem before he really spoke into their, 
into their life spiritually. And uh, for us who are entrepreneurs, we uh, are called to solve a problem with a problem or with a product or a service. And uh, so we earn influence by solving problems. So we uh, need to avoid also just focusing on features of a product or service versus the benefits. Everybody always wants to know, well, what's in it for me? You know, ultimately, that's what they're going to ask. Yeah, what's our, our favorite radio station, WIIFM, what's in it for uh, yeah, me? <laughs> you know, uh, by featuring benefits or, or talking about benefits, uh, that uh, that speaks to the uh, customer about how it's going to improve their life. And uh, that's what customers want to know the most. You know, I'm always – I had an ad agency for 12 years in the 80s, and we were a direct response ad agency. We were mostly in print, so we didn't do that much TV. But uh, I was always intrigued by the 1995 product offer late at night. You know, those products always solved the household problem, and they did it really well. And uh, it probably cost them two dollars to make those products, and uh, they'd sell it for nineteen ninety five. And they probably sold a gazillion of them. And uh, it was also a great strategy for getting a product into retail because it it was something called key outlet marketing, where we'd bring pressure upon the retailer because people would come into the store. Do you have this product? Do you have this product? And so they'd eventually have to take the product. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and a, a great question people as they're thinking through this can ask themselves, right, is, you know, what problem has God called you to solve? And also maybe, you know, what problem or solutions has he equipped you to, you know, provide? That's exactly right. And, um, you know, people don't care who solves their problem. They just want their problem solved. And if you can solve their problem, you'll end up having more influence in that person's life. Well, you know, and we, we work with, a, you know, a lot of coaches. And, you know, what I always tell them, Oz, is, you know what, nobody buys coaching. And I love the phrase, people buy the destination and not the plane, right? If, if, they, if I want to bring my family on a vacation to, you know, the Florida Keys, I don't care if I'm flying on a Boeing or an Airbus. And people get, you know, you're talking about don't talk about the, uh, the features, and people tend to focus on the plane, and people don't care about the plane. They want to know that you're going to get them where they want to go and that, you, that you're able to do that. That's right. That, that is so true. So I would encourage everyone to say, you know, what problem has, uh, have I been created to solve? And uh, if, um, if you are an entrepreneur, you especially need to answer that question. Mm-hmm. All right, what's number four, my friend? Don't let technology make you obsolete. You know, um, John, technology is changing faster than ever before. Um, do you have a Polaroid or a Kodak camera or a VHS player today? My ch Chances are if you do, it's down in your basement in a box somewhere. Uh, <laughs> Polaroid doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> You know, we have so, a VHS player that is hooked up to one of our TVs just because we have those old videos that we shot when our kids were really young. And I think <laughs> it's covered with dust. Yeah, yeah. So what we need to do is stay current with the technology and make sure, you know, uh, our industry is using the technology that's available today and not not get caught off guard. You know, so many 
um, industries are getting caught off guard because of the technology that's making them irrelevant, you know. And sometimes, uh, you know, things that you provide, it, it just needs to be upgraded and uh, know what's coming down the pike so that you don't get caught uh, in a situation where people bypass you or your service or your product because you're not current with the technology. Yeah, and um, you told a story about just, you know, technology also changes um, when we're dealing with different generations, and we have to be very comfortable um, and kind of fluent in how to communicate the best to, you know, the different audiences that we might have. Well, that's exactly right. You know, um, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine from Google, and uh, he he told me some amazing statistics on the percentage of millennials who will actually answer a cell phone call. It was something like less than 10%. So if you want to communicate with a millennial, send them a text. 90% of them will only respond to a text. And I can attest to that. That my da- I can't remember last time I got a phone call from my daughter. She always texts me. And uh, the other side of that is that You've got to constantly be learning about new technology. I had a, a friend of mine I play golf with who's 10 years older than me, and it, this was about uh, two, three years ago. And I said, hey, I sent you a text la- yesterday about you know playing and such and such, and he says, I don't do text. I said, well – you're going to do text. <laughs> you want to be relevant to your world. And so now he does text and he texts his grandchildren. And uh, he knows that uh, that is a medium that's, that's not something you can say no to if you're going to be relevant in the culture and to uh, your personal relationships. <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, you bring up a great point in here, too, that, you know, our, our phones, our mobile phones have become you know, how we access everything, especially millennials. But I would say even more than that, I'm looking at, we were just looking at the stats on our website and we get some pretty significant traffic. And over the last uh, couple of years, the amount of traffic coming from mobile, um, it's virtually, it's almost 80% of our traffic, uh, which has doubled just over the last couple of years. And Absolutely. so if everything we're doing, if we're not thinking about how people, it's, you know, the user experience, whether it's a product or a service, and they can't get information, view it, access what we're doing on a smartphone, um, they're going to look elsewhere. Well, and that's uh, this year was the year that we updated all of our websites so that each website looks really good on a cell phone. And uh, because everybody's buying and accessing information, they're using that for entertainment. So the, the cell phone has to be a place where you you want to shine with your product and service and make sure that your website translates well on your cell phone. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, now, what's number five, Oz? Number five is always look for new customers and new products. You can't market to the same people with the same products and and expect to grow. So you've always got to be uh, concerned about where are my new markets, uh, offering new products and new ways of providing the same service. And, uh, you know, we need to think about what makes us different from our competition 
you know, once we saturate the market, sales are going to go down unless we have new people to sell to and new products to to offer them. The only area that that um, might not be as relevant to that is consumables like you know Coca Cola. That you 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 start drinking that brand, you're probably going to stay with that brand unless there's something else that intrigues you or some reason to change that brand. But many other products. You know, uh, I know that in our own situation, we found ourselves where we felt like we'd sort of saturated our audience. And so we needed to bring new products before them if we wanted to continue to, you know, have them buy from us. So that's just a, a, a very basic rule. But sometimes we we uh, we get caught short by not thinking that we have brought in enough new people enough new audiences to be able to expose them to our products you know and one of the things we've done for that um somebody recommended a book to me uh, a while ago called ask by ryan levesque and it's all about you know how do you just you know the people that you know or markets you think you want to go into or products that maybe you want to launch you just ask the people that you know or know you you know, what they want, what challenges that they have, what are they trying to, to do or overcome? What would be a value to them? And it's amazing if you actually start reaching out and listening to the people that you already are working with, they'll tell you exactly what they're looking for. And then you got to figure out, okay, is that something that, you know, I was called to solve that problem? Yeah, that, that really fits. That's something we could, we could put together as, you know, our team and our company. But I think we always need to be listening to the people that we're called to serve to figure out what is it, you know, as things change, what they really need. And is it something we can, you know, create to uh, adapt that need? Yeah. So number six is a little bit similar to that, but it's, it has a, a distinctive different. Uh, don't do the same old thing and expect new results. Mm. Market changes we need to understand the signs of the times in the business we're in. We need to look ahead to what is coming and make time for research and reading up on new trends in our industry. You know, we need to get ahead of any changes that may be coming so you're not left behind. We need to survey our customers to find out what they're thinking about, such as issues or products or service. And, you know, it's 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 about being in tune with what's coming and what's what the environment is around us. I was uh, speaking recently to a CPA uh, firm that had um, – they're a national firm, and uh, that's an industry that's pretty basic in what it provides. But uh, in order to stay on top of it, uh, they had to uh, be able to demonstrate that they're on top of, top of the latest changes and um, technology and also change in IRS, IRS rules and all of the things that are relevant to being, you know, providing a service like that to their constituents. And they had a niche uh, within the, the Christian community that they served. And so they understood when I shared this these top 10 things with them, they said, oh, we, we know exactly what you talk about niche because we, we serve a very particular niche. You know, what has worked for you, Oz, with, you know, what you've built, you know, to kind of stay ahead of what might be coming? What, what's an example of that? Well, I think that um, we created uh, a TGIF media app. I write a devotional called 
TGIF Today got its first. It's a free devotional that goes to 104 countries and read by several hundred thousand people. But uh, we decided in order to serve our audience more, we created what we call a TGIF media app. And uh, it has our podcast. It has uh, access to all four of our devotionals. It has webinars. It has um, just uh, pretty much anything we do, you can access it. Our Change Agent Network is accessible through that app. And uh, so this was, a, again, once I realized that everything was going toward the phone, I realized I've got to invest in that area. And uh, so that was, that's probably one of the areas that we're, we're uh, focused on these days to make that a really good experience for our people and, um, you know, let people know about it. Yeah, I love that. Now, what's uh, number seven? Number seven is beware of industry game changers. Hmm. And probably the biggest game changer we've seen in the last few years is through Amazon. They changed the retail landscape when they introduced Amazon Prime and removed their shipping costs. Low price and no shipping is putting many retailers out of business. And uh, so I can remember when this came about that um, – I was shocked that they were doing that. So you could, you know, I think it was a hundred bucks a year. You pay this fee and not only did you get free shipping on product, but their competitive pricing. And then you could, uh, put, you know, store photographs. You can access video movies for that prime price and a few other things that they do for you. And uh, so this, what you started seeing after that was many online retailers dropping their shipping costs. Right. And, uh, and uh, you, you start hearing now about the number of retail stores closing in America. Uh, they're having a huge impact on the retail landscape because they're not just selling books anymore. They're selling everything. And they've created a way to deliver in, in ways that others cannot. You know, we, we, when we started seeing that happen, we have a bookstore called tgifbookstore.com. And uh, we knew that a lot of our, you know, followers probably bought their products on, you know, Amazon Prime. And so what we decided to do was every time somebody would order from us, we'd have a free download or ebook or something that was a bonus for them that Amazon couldn't do. Uh, in order to give uh, more value to them, to to help them justify buying it from us, you know. Yeah, and I think everybody has to think that way if they are in industries that are, uh, you know, someone's kind of changing the game. You know? Yeah, one of my clients, he has a traditional roofing company. And um, he actually has become the game changer. He knows his audience. Talk about his niche. But his uh, promotion that he did, Oz, was get a roof, get a gun. He's a big Second Amendment guy. He's all about gun safety. <laughs> but if you get a roof through his company, um, they have a partnership with um, Bass Pro Shops. You get a, 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 the gift card. It's the exact amount to go get an AR-15 to get your weapons, your background check, and also get firearms safety training. And his business absolutely exploded. And now a lot of people in that industry are reaching out to him and say, hey, can we 
can we work with you? So, you know, look what people are doing in your industry that are actually helping to kind of change the narrative, right? Especially if it's maybe an area where it's kind of a commodity type business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, number eight is uh, ask, what do I have in my hand? You know, that one might be a strange one to your listeners, but, you know, this uh, principle is based uh, on the Bible and an Old Testament story uh, when the prophet Elijah was trying to help a woman who was a widow and uh, creditors were coming after her and they were going to take her son from her. And so he asked her, what do you have in your house? And she said, well, I don't have anything in my house. And he said, well, do you have any jars in your house, oil jars? And uh, she said, yes, uh, I have some of those. And he says, well, I want you to collect them. And then I want you to go to every neighbor and ask them for their oil jars. And then I want you to go back in your house and I want you to pour oil in every one of them. Well, she did that. And as she did that, the oil never stopped flowing, and she was able to fill up every jar. And he said, now go sell those and pay your creditors and then live off of the rest of, of the oil that you sold. It must have been a lot of oil, jar, oil jars to be able to live off of that. Yeah. And so the principle here is um, whenever you go through a lean time, uh, we need to ask the question, okay, what do I have in my hand? What's what what is it that I have that potentially could be monetized? It could be maybe a relationship that I have that someone could help me open a door to some opportunity. Uh, it could be that I have some uh, furniture or something of value in my home that's just been sitting around and I've never taken the time to go out and try and sell it. Or it could be a skill set that I've, I haven't been using. Uh, it reminds me back when I went through a crisis in my own life in the 90s where uh, my ad agency went down to almost nothing. And and uh, I was thinking, how am I going to put food on the table? I've been doing this for 12 years. And uh, so I felt impressed that what I had in my hand at that time was the ability to consult with businesses on marketing and advertising. And so I went out and pitched that to a few companies and they, they hired me. And uh, for a season that became my, my manna as it's talked about in the old Testament, the, you know, when the, when the people of God were moving out of Egypt and uh, going into the promised land, they didn't have an ability to earn a living and so God supernaturally gave them provision. And sometimes we have to ask that question, what do I have in my hand in order to provide the resources that I need in that lean time? Mm. I, I, I really like that one because uh, I'm just thinking about so many times in you know, my especially recent history as we hit really a low point, right? It was God showing us what we had right in front of us, right? Our relationships, our the skills and, you know, that I've learned through my life and how do we start to apply those to build something that can support the family. And, and I love that, right? Cause it, that, that's a place where God can really show up, but you know, it's using those lean times to grow closer to God versus um, using that as an excuse to push away from God. That's right. Well, number nine is close any open doors. 
you know, and I know that you probably have a strong faith-based audience, but there may be some out there that, that are not, but listening to us. And and uh, this is a reference to uh, something in the Bible that uh, indicates that, that when there's sin in, in the life of a believer, the, the devil actually has a legal right to attack that person. And we see an example of this in the Old Testament and the Bible where Joshua and the, the nation of Israel were going into the promised land, and their first battle was the, the uh, city of Jericho, and they won that battle, but God had specifically told them they're not to keep any of the goods from that battle. And uh, so when they went to, uh, to their next battle, the city of Ai, A-I, um, they noticed that as they were in the midst of the battle, they were losing. And uh, Joshua couldn't understand why God was not blessing their efforts. And he said, it's because you have uh, committed a sin against me uh, by violating the first principle of first fruits. And so that was why he was not successful. And so had, they had to deal with the they did, Joshua didn't know that was taking place, but it was happening within his camp. And so he dealt with the issue. And once he dealt with the issue, he was able to get success again and favor from God. And so sometimes as believers, we have to make sure that we're not we're not succeeding because there's some uh, thing that we are doing that violates God's principles in our life because uh, he can thwart our efforts in that way. But the Bible is also very clear in 1 John 1.19 that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So it's very easy to uh, you know make that right once we realize that potentially could be affecting our efforts. And you also say here, Oz, that we should keep short accounts with God. Uh, what, is, what do you mean when you say short accounts? Well, you know, um, God loves us, uh, all of us, deeply, and um, it's not based on uh, – his love for us is never based on what we do or don't do. However, his favor and, and really blessing the work of our hands can be affected by, you know, whether we're living in sin or not. And so – you know, God calls us to keep short accounts. You know, we're going to fail, and it's okay to fail. It's just uh, we just have to be able to come to our Father and say, you know, Father, I've failed here. Please forgive me and uh, help me to do better. And I think that's all he's looking for. Uh, just like any child, uh, we're going to stumble here and there. But he doesn't look at that in a way that's uh, always shaming us. He looks at a way, hop up, son or daughter, and I'm cheering you on for the next venture together. Let's get up and do it together. Mm. So, you know, I like the nature. We need to understand the nature of God is always love towards us, not on some performance thing. Uh, but the reality is that there is this aspect of being able to be in right standing with God where we're not embracing, uh, you know, things that he would not want us to embrace. Mm. Uh, that's an important point. And I'm really glad you brought that out. Um, I think that's really powerful. I, I was looking up First John one nineteen. you know, right before you were talking. and, uh, and Actually, I think it's First John 1, 9. I think yeah, I'm sorry. Got a type. Yeah, First John one nine, um, but the uh, 
You know, and the other thing that always struck me, somebody was asking me this the other day when, you know, at my accident, when I was in God's presence the first time and my body was crushed and, and I just felt this love surrounding me. And he asked me a question nobody else has asked me. He goes, hey, in that moment, you know, what, what was your perception of God? And, you know, uh, the, the only word and the first word that just came to mind, Oz, was a friend. And, you know, later as I read in the scripture that Jesus wants to call us a friend. Um, and he wants uh, us to call him friend if we're, you know, following, you know, his, his word um, has just really changed my understanding of, of who God is and the nature of our relationship. And that has been really, really a powerful and meaningful change for me because I never really understood that before I was in his presence. And that's something I really like to share with people is, is, you know, that's how God views us. He created us and he loves us and he wants us to have the same relationship with him the way that a lot of us have with our spouses. But, you know, it, even a, a, at a deeper level. That's right. That's right. Well, we're, we've reached number 10, and that is understand God's timing. There's a timing to move and not move. Uh, David, uh, in the Old Testament, asked God if he was to attack the Philistines, and God said to him, yes, but not until you hear the marching and the balsam trees. You know, So he knew he, he had defeated the Philistines in one battle, but he was ready to go up against them, and he, but he still inquired of God about the strategy and when to go. And God gave him a picture and said, you know, just... Uh, you are going to, you know, go into this battle, but not until you hear the marching of the balsam trees. That'll that'll be your clue as to when you're to go in. In Psalm 31, 15, it says, My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. And uh, so, you know, sometimes we, we in business and uh, as an entrepreneur come up with a great idea. And the great idea could be very much from from uh, God's hand for us, but we also need to know the timing of release, you know. I was thinking about uh, a product that we were going to release, and uh, but it's probably not a good idea to do it in the middle of summer, you know, because it's, uh, it, people are traveling a lot, and there's not a, you know, it's not, it's not going to be as responsive as if it's in the fall. And so there's a timing issue to certain things. And so that's something we should always be aware of. You know, what what has worked for you, Oz, when you're really trying to listen to God as you're, as you're thinking about timing? Well, uh, I try to collect as much information I can about something. I'm, I'm doing something right now that I'm I'm considering doing it, uh, and uh, it would be a major investment for us. And uh, so I'm asking the people that are closest to me that I believe have the greatest knowledge of this thing that I'm considering. And then I uh, actually had a staff meeting and got their input, and I've been praying about it. And so I'm looking, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, there's wisdom in uh, the uh, from counselors. And uh, so I, I take that as part of it. I take part of it as my own peace factor. Uh, and then I try to do my due diligence on um, the people that I might be working with 
to do this particular venture. And so all of those things go into the decision-making process for me. And I found that to be the the ultimate uh, process for me. And ultimately, I have to have a peace about it. You know, it, it can be scary because faith isn't always, uh, you know, uh, without risk. In fact, I often say faith is sometimes spelled R-I-S-K, you know. <laughs> um, so uh, when, when, the, when the people of Israel crossed the Jordan River, they had to carry the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, and they had to carry it uh, during flood stage of the Jordan River. So there was a risk they could lose that Ark in the river. Uh, but it was something God had called them to do to cross the river. And uh, I always think of that when I think of new ventures to do. Well, you know, and uh, I think, we, you know, we think through these things similarly. I call it the, the head journey and the heart journey. And, and um, I do the same thing. But when I, you know, sometimes when I sit down to pray and I, there's a lot of unknowns and I'm trying to think through different options, um, I don't have a lot of clarity. There just seems to be in my mind just kind of like a lot of noise about even what to pray about. And as I sit down and get advice from people, sit down on with a pad and a paper and look at all the options and, you know, what's good here, what's not good here. You know, does this move me toward where I feel like I've been called? And I really start to get some clarity from almost that lash, rational, logical point of view. And that helps me start to answer, you know, some of those questions or ask the questions like, you know, what is the most important thing about this for me personally? How, how does this connect to what God wants me to do and has equipped me to do? And it really helps me to be a lot more centered and focused in that prayer time to to put up in front of God what, you know, so I'm, I'm much more uh, in a place where I can hear uh, because I'm not distracted by lots of stuff. So that's kind of the how I go through it is kind of that head journey first and then, you know, the heart journey. And that's really putting things in front of Holy Spirit and getting and listening for that, that input and that feedback. That's right. So, John, one of the things that uh, we have offered for your listeners is to be able to tap into this uh, white paper on these 10 things and uh, also maybe experience something that we're doing for a lot of leaders, and that's our change agent network. So, if, uh, if your folks want to uh, get an, uh, a download of this paper that uh, goes in a little more detail about the 10 uh, success uh, rules, they can go to MyChangeAgentNetwork.com. That's MyChangeAgentNetwork.com. And uh, they can also um, get a copy of a free ebook I did called um, Proven Strategies for Business Success. It was a uh, a book I did uh, a few years ago on uh, short chapters on marketing and advertising principles, and there's a lot of new stuff on social media. That's awesome. And so it's it's um, mychangeagentnetwork.com. So really encourage people to plug into that. And what's uh, any any other ways people can find out more about what you're doing and what you're working on, Oz? Yeah, well, they can go to that website. They can see that. And um, also our devotional site is todaygodisfirst.com, todaygodisfirst.com. If your listeners want to uh, read a daily devotional designed to help them bring their faith life into their work life, that's uh, probably the best place they can go to, to access that as well. 
And also, I'd encourage our listeners, if you haven't heard our other episodes with Oz, just go to our podcast page on Eternal Leadership. You just in a little search bar there, just type Oz. It's O-S. And I think some of our our favorite episodes, some of the ones that we get the, the most feedback and comments on Oz are the ones with you. And I really appreciate your time and making yourself available for our, our, our team here around the world. And uh, it's just been great. And I love this conversation. And, and I'd love to hear from people as you think through those 10 different things that that Oz talked about. What uh, I'd love to just hear from you. What is the one that jumped out at you? What are you going to do next in that area? And if there's anything at all that we can do to help you uh, with some of the things that are coming up in one of those areas, let us know. You know, we're, we're here to help you move forward. Well, Oz, thank you, my friend, for our time. Um, and give my uh, love to your beautiful bride. She's awesome. Thank you, John. And, uh, yep, she's moving along with her story. We're finishing up her book. And uh, so I look forward to having her back on with you in the days ahead. <laughs> Love to do that. All right, buddy. Have a great day. All right. Thank you, John. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. In 1994, Bob Buford penned the book Halftime, moving from success to significance. And in the more than 20 years since then, more than three quarters of a million copies have been sold. It's touched baby boomers in the 90s, and it's now touching the lives of both Gen Xers who are in that midlife season asking, is this all there is? As well as baby boomers who are searching for significance in retirement. To get a free copy of the book, just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. And after you read it, if you have any questions, you can have a no obligation one hour of halftime coaching. Eternalleadership.com slash halftime. You can't beat getting a free bestseller. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. <laughs> <laughs>